the perfection of love. Jesus tells us today, so be perfect, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. Just when I thought my anxiety was under control, right? <laughs> this pressure to like be perfect. Well, how do we how do we do that? Jesus tells us how to do that, and it involves probably one of the hardest commands in all of Scripture. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. When I hear that, at first, my response is, okay, you know, there's not like somebody waiting at the gates or something. Like, I, I don't feel like I have many enemies. But, you know, you think about like, if I was in a different country, which unfortunately I started thinking about, I'm like, gosh, like, if, you, if I lived in Ukraine, if I lived in China, if I lived in Nigeria right now, other countries where there's a dictatorship or people live in fear of drug cartels, religious violence, that it's all too easy to think about these situations. And, and those are actually all situations and those kind of things. Like we, we actually need to step up and respond and to advocate for human rights, to stop evil dictatorships, etc., that lawful authorities are morally obligated to do something about that. But what Jesus is talking about today has more to do with you and I. And I think it actually applies more than I first at first glance for me. So if we think about it this way, who are we talking about here? First is, who are we called to love? People who've hurt us. People who've said things, they've, they've done things, they've excluded, I've been excluded, I've been gossiped about. And, and in that group too is people that maybe, who hurt me, and maybe they didn't even realize it. Maybe they were... They didn't know they were standing on my foot, and I'm like, why are they doing this to me? And if I ever were to tell them, they'd be like, I'm sorry, I didn't even realize I was doing that. And so whether it's perceived, unintentional, whatever, like, it hurts. The second group is maybe people who have hurt people that I care about. I actually think it's easier to love and forgive somebody who's hurt me than to forgive somebody who's hurt someone I care about. And, and I think part of that is because it, I'm not directly involved. I'm just on the outside, so I'm, I'm totally helpless. There's nothing for me to do except stew in my anger. And, and the third group maybe would be people, who do we find ourselves getting angry at it's it's people who make my life difficult so you could say the, the person who cuts in front of me in traffic uh, people who raise my taxes or give me more work to do or people who advocate a worldview that contradicts mine maybe they have a, a different understanding of what's good for this country or a different understanding of the value of the unborn or what marriage is, or what it means to be a man or a woman, or 
or how church should be celebrated. That that group starts to grow and you're like, okay, thanks, Father Matt. Appreciate that. Um, now I'm thinking about all these people. But I, if, if I'm not really aware of it yet, you can think about it this way. Who, when, when I notice someone or hear something and I notice my blood start to boil or, you know, or, or who do I find myself talking about negatively? Those, that helps to identify, oh, oh, Jesus, this is where you want to go. That, that as you want to perfect me, as you want me to love as you do because it's good for me, that you want to teach me how to love these people. And maybe the last one, just the fourth one, would be sometimes our worst enemy is us. That the person hardest to love and to forgive is, is ourselves for what I did or what I didn't do. And Jesus also wants to help us to be able to love and forgive ourselves. And so what do we do? Well, in this passage, Jesus kind of, there's two just like blocks as I see of how do we respond. The first is, is Jesus talks about choosing to love. That he says, when someone strikes you on your right cheek, turn the other one as well. If someone wants to go to law with you over your tunic, hand over your cloak as well. Should anyone press you into service for one mile, go for two miles. Give to the one who asks of you and do not turn your back on the one who wants to borrow. It, it, it feels kind of odd. Like the person who just violated me, I'm supposed to like let them do that again or something? But it's different because the first action is what people are doing to us. But what Jesus is saying now, I can freely offer something to them. That I, I can choose to love them. They have violated me and they will be held accountable to God. But I can choose to make a gift of myself to them, something good and virtuous. Something that involves my will. Something that's, that's good. It's like, a, I mean, and, and we're doing what Jesus does. Like, Jesus says on the cross, no one takes my life from me. I freely lay it down. You're not doing this to me. I'm choosing to lay down my life. I'm choosing to put myself out there. That, that Jesus takes a hideous instrument of torture and crucifixion, capital punishment, and he fills it with his love. Because he chooses to be there and to put himself there. It would be like your, when your roommate who didn't do the dishes again, you know, if you go over into their room and you see them later and you say, hey, um, I was cleaning earlier, so I, um, I actually I vacuumed too. So I vacuumed your side of the room and I emptied your trash can. And they would be like so confused. They'd be like, what? That I've, I've chosen to love them. That if, if someone's done something unjust, that's on them. But what's on me, on my conscience, I'm going to act charitably. Because that's what I'm going to be held accountable for. 
The second thing that Jesus, as he talks this through, the way we can love our enemies is to see their dignity as God's children. He says, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your heavenly Father. For he makes his sun rise on the bad and the good and causes rain to fall on the just and the unjust. That God loves all his children. That Jesus dies for all, even if all don't respond to that gift. And so every one of us is a child of God. And, and sometimes children can be really mean and do rotten things. Right? You see little kids and you're like, why are you... They do other weird things too, but you're like, why are you hurting each other? I was going to talk about eating paste or something, but like, um, like kids, they just, they just don't, but, but it, okay, by analogy, don't we do things and consume things that are terrible for us? And you can look at that and say like, why are you being a dummy? You know, like why, we do things all the time that aren't good for us because we just, that's the best we have. And, and Jesus, who sees us in our imperfection, says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what, they know not what they do. And so I think one thing that gives me patience with another person is saying, this is God's beloved son or daughter that he thinks are worth dying for. This is God's temple, which he may dwell in in baptism or wants to dwell in. And, and God will defend his temple. So if I do something heart, harmful back, like I'm going to be held accountable for that. And, and really, I think what helps me to love others is by first recognizing how he loves me, that, that I have not been great. I, this one example I think of is when I was in eighth grade and, and I chose to side with the bully over the kid he was picking on. And it's like one of those things that you carry in your conscience, like sins I did and sins I didn't do, or, or omissions. And I, and I look back at eighth grade, Matt Lowry, and it's like, But that was the best I had. And, and I look at how God says to me, it's okay. I, I know that was the best you had. And I knew that would happen. And I was already working a plan to do something better. That that, that, that burning leads us to say, I'm never letting that happen again. Pick on me if you want, but I'm not going to stand by and let you pick on somebody else. That, that recognizing how God loves me unconditionally in my imperfection. And that his love in me, only by his grace, can I, can I then love other people who I think don't deserve it. They definitely haven't earned it or proven it or anything. But that's not how God thinks they're worth dying for. Not because of what they've done, but because of who they are. And so Jesus chooses to put himself in that place of suffering with us 
Because he's able to work all things for good. He's able to make good come from the greatest evil. And actually, yeah, he takes that place of evil and he, he fills it with his love. And so maybe that's why God allows hurt. Because it provides an occasion where he can pour his love into it. And that you and I have the opportunity to rise up above what we want to do, but to choose to love. That, that even, even the pagans love those who love themselves. But we Christians are called to love differently. And, and not only does it witness to the world, but it changes us. As I, as I love an imperfect person, it perfects me. It's kind of like in marriage. Marriage, people will say, oh, I found the perfect person for me to marry. The perfect person for me. And it's like, that's not what marriage is. Marriage is, you found the perfect person for me to spend the rest of my life loving. And that as I love this person, it perfects me. It's almost like we can only have our love perfected by loving imperfect people. There was a woman named Josephine who was born several years ago in Sudan in the Darfur region. And at the age of nine, she was kidnapped or trafficked. And they kidnapped her and they made her walk over 600 miles barefoot in North Africa. She was sold multiple times. Uh, the, the first family she was with, one time they, they beat her so bad that she couldn't move for a month. Another family, the mother would, or the woman would have her maid or whatever put flour, like draw designs with flour and then, and then cut the designs into the body and then put salt in the wounds to leave scars. This woman ended up having 114 different scars on her body. But there was one family in North Africa that, that was from Italy and moved back to Italy, so she went with them. And while in Italy, she met these Kenosian sisters in Venice. And they taught her about Christ, about Jesus, God, who chose to make himself a slave out of love for his people. And then when the, the masters came back and they wanted to take her away from the convent, she said, no. And then they went to court and the court said, uh, we don't have slavery in Italy, nor do they have it in Sudan, so she's a free woman. And so for the first time with this freedom, what did she want to do? She chose to stay with those sisters who told her about Jesus. She ended up being baptized, and she became a religious sister and took a name. Um, her, her trauma was so bad, she forgot her name. And she forgot her parents. And her kidnappers at one point gave her, they, they mocked her with a name, Bakita, which means fortunate one. It was, a, it was like, oh, 
Look at how fortunate you are to be a slave and to be abused. And when she became a sister, she had the opportunity to take a name. So she took the name Josephine, and she also took the name Bakita. The very insult that they had put upon her, she accepted. And she said, you're not doing this to me. I actually am a fortunate one. Because God gave me life, and now he's given me divine life in baptism. That I feel so fortunate to know Jesus. Late in life, someone asked her about all this stuff, and this is what she said. She died about 1956. She said, if I were to meet those men who abducted me, or even those who tortured me, I would kneel and kiss their hands, for if that hadn't happened, I would not be a Christian and a religious today. Today we call her Saint Josephine Bakita. That that kind of love, to be able to love our enemies and to pray for our persecutors, that kind of love makes us a saint. It's a Christ-like love that we cannot do without him. That God did not intend evil things to happen to her. God does not intend evil. But he does permit it so that he can permeate it with his love so that you and I have the opportunity to respond with goodness and charity in the face of evil. And the more we do that, it opens us up to God's love in us and it perfects us.